1: At all times, carry faith as a shield, for with it you will be able to put out all the burning arrows shot by the evil one. Ephesians 6, verse 16. As a follower of Jesus, you have fiery darts coming at you all the time. So what kind of fiery darts are coming your way? Rick Warren of Purpose Driven Life fame suggests these satanic implants. Doubt. You start asking yourself, did God really say that? Can I really trust God? Isn't that just your interpretation? Discouragement. Your thoughts go down this path. You're never going to get any better. Your life won't change. Don't even try. Delay. You ask yourself, why is this taking so long? When something you want to happen hasn't happened yet. Difficulty. You say to yourself, why is this so tough? Why is it such a struggle to make my marriage work? Why is it so difficult to get a job? And depression. You tell yourself it's not worth it. And you stop making an effort. These darts come your way on a regular basis. They create uncertainty in your life. In times of great uncertainty, like when you're worried about how the family will behave during Christmas, the fiery darts will fly at you even faster. You better be ready for them. Hold up St. Paul's proper antidote to them, the shield of faith. It's the only protection you have against doubt, discouragement, delay, difficulty and depression. Trust God, no matter what you see, hear or feel about the world around you. Doubt, and, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. The truth is... God said it, and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. God's truth isn't based on whether you believe it or not. It's still true even if you don't believe it, because God can't lie. And with the shield of faith, you have the certainty that God's promises are true even when they don't appear to be true in your life. Amen. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons, too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings, or a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who are not their mother, and I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you right here. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of walking through woodlands in the middle of the city, the sound of the cardinal in the morning, rain falling softly, the whine of a dog pining for its master while he's at work, the smell of pine trees in the stores, freshly baked cinnamon rolls or a serious hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of white hot chocolate and a cinnamon roll. But I understand I'm over here broadcasting from my new flat in Garland and you're over there listening in. Thank you very much. After the first break, I'm thrilled to be welcoming back my good friend, Gretchen Rowe, a frequent guest. This is her 10th or 11th show, and she's a mother of six. Gretchen will be talking about her new job with Demi Learning and telling us about this exciting curriculum that does math and spelling in a unique way. So stay tuned. I'm all set. Grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where I'm looking forward to my son coming in from L.A., watching Nutcracker once again, reflecting on reading to little ones and planning Christmas activities. Are you ready? Well, we're slated to see Nutcracker this weekend. Dortz is a guest performer and has been rehearsing for the past two months and visiting us at the flat when she's in our neck of the woods. Sometimes we feed her, sometimes she just pops in for a coffee. Whatever she does, she's always welcome. When she was asking about comps, comp tickets, <coughs> and when we wanted to come, we opted for Saturday evening because her boyfriend and his family are going then and she wants us all to go together. Then she said, you can come to, Saturday, to Sunday matinee with Grandmama and Ian. I laughed at the way after 15 years or more, she still expects us to show up for all her performances. I have to admit, I enjoy that ballet. I can sit and watch it, although I was hoping for a part this year since it is the ballet school's 30th year. So this weekend we have all the music swirling around in our ears once again. I'm looking forward to this. My filmmaker son Ian comes in also this weekend from L.A. and he'll stay with a variety of people to spread himself around. He's even planning on spending a couple of nights in the tiny house built by my self-sustaining son and his wife. Every time we see him, he tells us the size, 280 square feet, and we're amazed at just how little space one needs to live comfortably and happily. I talked about the sleeper sofa we'd bought our son from Ikea and it is already under the window in my office. I've moved my desk out and set it up in my bedroom and I've set his room up beautifully so he feels welcome and can still I can still work without invading his space. It does look very nice in here. A few weeks ago, I read to my teacher daughter's children at the kindercare where she works. It was during a holiday week, so the numbers were down. The numbers of children were down. And so I only had to hit three classrooms instead of six. But it also meant that the age groups were more varied. My daughter had the four-year-olds in with her schoolers. The first class I went into... They were three, and they were sitting in a mat, on a mat, in a circle. And I sat down on the floor with them, and thus began the import. Of course, they all wanted to see the book I was reading, look at the pictures, and generally get close to me. But their teacher was having none of it. I found out later that they were all worried I'd catch something. But as soon as I walked through the doors and heard the coughing and the sneezing and saw the running noses, I knew I was doomed. In for a penny, in for a pound, as my mother used to say. Their teacher kept talking to them loudly, telling them to move back, to behave, not to do this or that or the other. And I had to keep my reading voice higher than I was comfortable with. After an hour of exhaustingness, I moved to the toddler room where the children all but pinned me up against the book wall in their quiet space. It was funny. But this teacher didn't mind, except when I gave one of the little girls a book to look at while I was reading. Apparently, she tears pages out, not purposefully, of course. These little children were easier to talk to because they were quiet and their teacher wasn't shouting at them. Paris and I had lunch outside and then we went for a coffee. And at the coffee shop, they were giving out samples. Always a good sign that the coffee shop will flourish because I like to go somewhere where I get a little free sample at the counter while I'm ordering my coffee or waiting for my coffee. My final room to read to was the school ages, and I just sat at a table where some of them were building with the Legos, and I read through lots of books. One of the little girls helped me read, and when she was finished with her part, she would nod at me. By the time I left, I was exhausted. I'd only been there five hours. and My throat was threatening to go on strike my daughter does have busy days. Meal times there at the school are quite an ordeal because they all have to be served so that she can mark down, their, mark down the number of children that had meals for their food allowance, something to do with finances. And then we had to wait for everyone uh, to be ready before they could start to eat. It was chicken pasta and even though it was cold by the time they got to eat it, They ate a lot. I was amazed. Some of them had second and third helpings. When I got home, I told her I could not do that every day, but every now and again was fun. I took loads of books and decided against the chapter ones because they weren't used; to, they didn't seem to be used to being read to out loud. So I read some of our old-time favorites, like Marvin K. Mooney. Will you please go now? And I read a portion from Charlotte's Web, the part where Charlotte writes her first phrase in her web. And I read Patrick and Ted at the beach. They all seemed to enjoy sir, and some of them drifted off away from the table, and others drifted. It in. So I had quite a selection of children around me, and I was called a celebrity reader, and I wore the same outfit I had on for the poster that uh, we had made to announce my my presence at the school. And as I left, there were pictures of me reading to the children already posted on the bulletin board. So it was a very, very nice day, but I fully appreciate what those teachers um, do um, in their early learning centres with all of those children day in, day out. It's quite a task. And we've driven by our old house. I bet a lot of you out there have done that, if you have the opportunity when you sell a house and you still live in the same area. We'd heard they were doing a lot to it, so we were in the area and we decided to go take a look. They've completely painted the brick and refaced the front with stone. It looks like a gingerbread house now. Changed out all the windows, extended the entranceway and put in a really fancy front door. They've taken the new room down and rebuilt it so that it fits in with the original roof line, and I'm guessing they're going to duct it for the air conditioning which it needed. It was Italy cold out there in the winter and very hot in the summer. I'm glad they didn't just take it down. That's the extension because the husband's father is a Christian from Mosul, Iraq, and we all know what's happening there. And I'm thinking they're going to try and get family over here in America to live. It's heartening to see our beloved house being taken care of by its second owners. I'd love to go inside and see what other things marvels they've wrought inside. Maybe one day. Dort said she drove past too and nearly stopped to knock on the door. How do I feel? Well, we weren't ready to do any major work on the home, so it needed new blood in it to bring it back to life. Hopefully it'll soon hear the happy voices of children running around. And before I go on my first break, I want to introduce my guest and friend Gretchen Rowe, who's going to be joining me today to talk about her new job with Demi Learning, best known to we homeschoolers as Math UC. A few weeks ago we spoke about what life looked like for her now that she has moved. During the five years we've known each other, Gretchen has spoken to us about Calvert, homeschooling, her growing family, struggles with employment, And the surprise news she gave one Christmas of a new baby when her youngest was seven and her eldest was at college. Gretchen and her husband Pat were the homeschooling parents of six children, four of whom have now left the nest, leaving two boys at home aged 15 and 9, who not only braved the move from Maryland to Western North Carolina, but faced public school for the first time in Roe family history. Henderson is home to all of them, since that is where the family is originally from, and their three-acre farmstead is soon to be home to chickens, pigs, and meat rabbits. Today, Gretchen will be talking to us about her new job with Demi Learning. So go and get yourself something good to drink, and we'll be back after this short break.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to TogiNet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 Central on TogiNet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, the Joan River Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Levinsky, Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
1: I'm thrilled to be welcoming back to my show again this week, my good friend, Gretchen Rowe. Gretchen, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, Gretchen, we're going to be talking about um, curriculum this time, and I know you. we had lots of conversations over the years about Calvert and um, that curriculum program and we both used it and now you're working for another curriculum company that I really, I've never used it. I don't know whether you had ever used it during your career as a homeschooler. So tell us a little bit about this new company you're working for.
2: Well, the company I'm working for is called Demi Learning. Okay. But most of your listeners would probably remember it as, as math UC. Okay and Math UC is a multi-sensory mathematics program. We're a little bit different in the fact that we teach mathematics sequentially and conceptually. So when a student uses Math UC, they master the materials and they have a solid understanding of not only when to use an operation, but why they're using a particular operation and how. And it is um, a tremendous opportunity. I used math UC with two of my children at the high school level. I used it for um, algebra one through um, actually pre-algebra through algebra two Mm -hmm. for two of them. And they transitioned very seamlessly into college mathematics and did very well. I think had I had the opportunity to be instructed mathematically this way, I would have become a geologist. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the chops mathematically to do that. I understand math much better now because I've had the opportunity to use math, you see, and until I went to work for Demi, I had never used it at the um, elementary level. But okay. it's remarkable. It's wonderful to have a multi-sensory mathematics instruction program.
1: So what exactly does that mean? Because I know that when it comes to manipulatives, I, well, I have tried it. I have to admit I have tried it, but I I can't work that way. So tell me how that works.
2: Well, to be able to build and illustrate a mathematical problem so that you can see it in a three-dimensional form and understand exactly how it's constructed, is very impressive to me. Mm. Um, we utilize the same set of manipulatives from what we call Primer, which is math for fun for four-year-olds, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all the way through Algebra 1. Right. And if you had told me I could use blocks to construct algebraic equations and actually understand them, I don't think I would have believed you until I actually utilized them with math, you see.
1: Um- I wouldn't have thought that getting to that level, it would be a very easy thing to do. You probably have to think about how you're going to construct something. And by doing that thinking, it helps you to better understand what you're doing.
2: It does. But what's really interesting is if you utilize it the way that Stephen Demmey has designed it, um, math is sequential and cumulative. So by the time you reach Algebra 1, you have a very under solid understanding of how to construct those equations and um, those computations, and it's just astonishing to be able to see that. Um, Steve says, um, "You see it because you see it," and that really is very true.
1: Mm-hmm. Are there problems? Are there word problems? Do you still see the equations and the fractions there? Oh, yes,
2: exactly. Um, As a matter of fact, um, we put a tremendous amount of emphasis on the word problems because what Mr. Demi says is that math is something that you use every day in a very practical form in the real world, and you have to be able to solve a word problem because we approach the world through word problems every day. Mm -hmm. And so there is a tremendous amount of problem solving and analysis that goes into Uh, the curricula and one of the things I like best about this particular curricula is an engaged parent is the best mathematical tool a student has for success.
1: Now the program though isn't just specifically for homeschoolers it's because I looked on the website and it says are you a school or you know so
2: that's correct that is correct we um we often are um, invited into um, public schools to private schools to schools where they have a need to do remediation or um, they just want to use a concrete sequential mathematical program
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, we have an entire division that is devoted strictly to our schools um, and serving them
1: okay. So was, was Steve Demi was he a mathematician himself, an engineer or Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yes. He was a uh he was a math teacher. Mm-hmm. Um he has four children of his own. He also was a homeschool dad. He also is um a um uh Gordon Con I think it's Gordon Conwell has been a trained pastor mm-hmm. and um uh, as a matter of fact, he no longer runs the day-to-day of the operation. His sons do that mm-hmm. because he's um, busily working with his ministry arm, which is called Building Faith Families.
1: Okay. I was going to talk about that. First oh, yeah. First off, um, the math portion. Now, this this is not a complete curriculum like Calvert from where you came from. This is a part of your... Curriculum that you would yes. use as a parent, right? Correct. This
2: yeah. is a mathematics curriculum. Yes. Then in the um, spring of last year, we debuted a multisensory spelling program called Spelling UC.
1: Okay, so that's that's new.
2: Yes, that is new. Okay. Um, it well, t- is based on research out of the University of Virginia on the. Progressive developmental stages that a student needs to go through to become a competent speller.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And for me, it was amazing to finally understand why I could raise four children to adulthood, educate all of them more or less the same way, and have two who are very competent spellers and two who are a little bit more hesitant mm-hmm. in the way in which they spell. Mm-hmm. Once I understood the developmental approach to spelling, it made it very clear for me to understand why they had different outcomes, even though they had been educated the same way.
1: So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm sure there are some mums out there who are pulling their hair out going, (laughs) I know I'm teaching this the same way, but what's going wrong?
2: (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, I can't say enough good things about this spelling program. I am so enthusiastic about it. If I said to you that you could accomplish spelling in 15 to 20 minutes a day mm-hmm. without any lists, mm-hmm. without any tests, and without with very little preparation on the part of the parent once you understood how the program is designed, mm-hmm. you might say, I'm full of beans. But I have to say, in all honesty, we started using this here with Duncan and Owen when it came out in uh, March and they had such fun we did it all summer together
3: Mm
2: -hmm. it's three basic competencies that are repeated on a daily basis or I should say on a weekly basis because you don't do all three of the competencies every day Mm -hmm. but you do it on a weekly basis and it helps the student cultivate a visual memory for spelled words. Have you ever written a word, Vivian, and looked at it and thought, well, that doesn't look right? Mm -hmm. That's the way I spell. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the way people who have successfully negotiated the stages of spelling spell. Mm -hmm. And this helps aid a student in order to accomplish that. And um, there's three components to it. We utilize the three components to reinforce that visual spelling And just like math, you see, this is not based on age. This is not based on grade level. So we can have children of differing ages in the same level of our materials, and each student progresses at their own pace toward competency.
1: A phonics included in this?
2: It does begin with phonics, Mm -hmm. and you and I both know you've got to have phonics to crack the code of being able to read English. Mm -hmm. But what happens when those phonics rules begin to fail to apply Mm -hmm. accurately? You know, 47% of phonics rules don't apply in every situation. Mm -hmm. And when you consider the English language has 26 letters that make 44 sounds and can be combined in 250 different ways. It's a wonder any of us can spell it all. Yeah. This program begins in with the instruction of phonics, but then we move into the next stage of spelling development, which is the most critical and difficult for children to negotiate, and it takes four to four and a half years to negotiate it successfully. That stage is called skill development. And that's where a student moves from the auditory stage of the phonetic spelling to the visual stage of the skill development stage of spelling.
1: So you mean there's probably a rule that um, controls whether or not you end a word with A-R-Y or E-R-Y or, you know, A-N-T or E-N-T?
2: <laughs> well, the truth of it is those the challenge with those rules is So many of those rules apply to some of the words in English, but not all of the words Uh, in English, because we're an amalgam of all the other languages that Mm -hmm. came before English. Mm -hmm. Um, So that makes it a a very interesting premise to, um, to help a child to be able to spell competently. So the one of the things that we do with our spelling program is we help children begin to recognize common letter patterns for instance ew in the word so makes the o sound but ew in the word do makes the O sound Hmm. they're both the same letters ew but they make different sounds. So we need to move away from that auditory stage into a visual stage where children can visually see that the word is correctly spelled. And we do that through a process called chunking and then a secondary process called copy work where literally they're copying the words spelled correctly. And one of the things that the research says is that a student can only learn to spell when words are learned in meaningful context. So they're actually copying um, lines and uh, passages that are either um, uh, passages from uh, nursery rhymes or passages from history or passages that have been written specifically for the program that are about animals to to help them begin to cultivate that visual memory.
1: Mm Yes, because if you visualize a misspelled word, <laughs> it's very difficult to um, untrain your brain.
2: <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. And, and one of the things that um, uh, we do with the program is we only um, emphasize the words a child spells correctly. We don't even attend to the words that have been misspelled because right. we want to encourage them toward um proper spelling. So it's the first time I ever had the opportunity to engage my kids in a wholly positive activity surrounding spelling, and that has been just tremendous.
1: Yeah, and I have to admit, there are certain words that I consistently misspell. Mm-hmm. And I look at it, and I go, nope, that doesn't look right. And I immediately can change it, but I must have learned it somewhere along the line. My mother used to used to pronounce the word mischievous as mischievous Mm -hmm. and so I'd always put an I-O-U-S at the end and I thought that was the correct way of spelling it and I always pronounced it like that and I was called out on it when I came to America and I said oh that's just the American like you say aluminum here and I say aluminum aluminum so there is an i-u-m in there so i thought it was perfectly logical that there was an i-o-u-s for mischievous and i looked it up and nowhere can i find it spelt like that was just the way my mother pronounced it and it's just the way i correspondingly spelt it
2: i i'm the same way my my word like that is background because my neither my father with his um, heavy german accent nor my mother with her midwestern accent accent pronounced the G oh. in the background. Mm-hmm. So I didn't believe there was a G in there. And mm-hmm. I, I I remember vividly I was uh, I think I was in college when I got in an argument about spelling the word wrong mm-hmm. and had to had to go to an old, you know, a paper dictionary and actually look it up
1: at I the know. time. I know. I did exactly the same thing. All right, so we've done Math you see that sounds fantastic. And spelling you see. So let's talk a little bit about you said you said that um, Steve Demi himself, the founder, has is devoting more time to his building face families program. So tell me a little bit about that.
2: You know, Steve is just, um, he is one of those larger-than-life personalities that people just love him. Children think he's uh, quite the mathematics rock star. And so because he has such an engaging personality and because he has raised four children successfully, he does have the capacity to engage people in a, um, a wonderful um, ability to understand themselves and how important it is to work um, within the bounds of family to encourage and guide each other Mm -hmm. and he's just really done a tremendous job at doing that Um, his uh, um, I I notice when we travel around to homeschool conferences together he has packed the place out every time that he speaks he really does a tremendous job at that in fact In two weeks, I'm excited to be able to go with him to Florida, to um, the Florida Parent um, Educators Conference, Special Needs Conference. He's going to be the keynote speaker there. And he just, he provides some tremendous resources to engage families in their faith walk in the midst of their family.
1: Well, yeah, um, you talked about earlier on how, engaged parents an engaged parent is so important throughout math C. spelling spelling you see is that what it's called spelling you see mm-hmm. um and um i was going to ask you if if they use these programs in schools if the if a, if a school picks up one of these programs how do they engage the parents do the parents have to buy into this curriculum as well or how how does that work
2: well, of course, in a school environment, you, you've got an educator who is there working at, okay. at, equally engaged with the students. Okay. But um, I, don't think, I don't think any parent who really wants the success of their children, whether their children are schooled at home or schooled in a private school or a public school, is disengaged from the process of helping their children learn. hmm so so these materials would work in conjunction with a student being in a public-private classroom, being homeschooled, no matter what they would be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, technology sometimes becomes the bane of our existence because people believe that they can set a child in front of a computer and they can walk away well-educated, and that's not to say that that does not happen. So. I don't want your listeners to think I'm being dismissive because I'm not. There are tremendously different ways to get to educating a child well. But I have personally not given birth to a child that I could park in front of a computer and expect them to come out well-educated on the other side no. I need to be intricately involved in their academics
1: mm-hmm. and you talked you've talked in earlier conversations about executive function so can that still happen with the Demi method of absolutely. education
2: mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. it does as a child um, ages through the materials they can take more and more responsibility for the content themselves what I love about um, the Matthew C. materials is the fact that um, Steve Demi is the instructor. So when you receive Matthew C. materials, you have him instructing each lesson on a DVD. And he loves a corny joke. He is, has a great sense of humor. And what I think is fascinating to me, being an only child, is... He has that amazing ability to speak to a child, that a child understands what's being said, but they're not being talked down to. Mm -hmm. So he does a tremendous job modeling for the parents how to show a student how to learn.
1: So his material, the material that comes from the Demi Learning Company, is all visual?
2: No, no. It's okay. visual, it's auditory, it's kinesthetic, because you're going to watch the DVD, okay. you're going to use the manipulative blocks to build the mathematical problems you're working on. You're going to pick up a pencil, and you're going to use the kinesthetic process of writing. You're going to, in fact, we we say build, write, say. So you build a mathematical problem, you write that mathematical problem, you say it out loud, and... So that gives um, a student a variety of ways to receive input and, uh, you know, I'm remotely multi-sensory experience.
1: So we're not just given a textbook? No, not at all. Okay. So it's Um, the full package comes along. So I like that. I like that idea.
2: It is. And Mm -hmm. the, the neat part is the company is very committed to seeing that students are successful. So, We'll have families call and say, we're working on this problem on this page and we don't understand. Can someone walk us through it? And mm-hmm. we have staff who are there to do that for them because we want to see children be successful mathematically. You know, Demi's um, tagline is building lifelong learners, and that means we can't just throw a family a curricula and say, good on you, have, mm-hmm. have a good life. We mm-hmm. want to see their children be successful.
1: So what do you know about the Kindertown apps? Do you do that? Yes, I do. Kindertown
2: is amazing. You know, not every educational app is created equal. And having access to Kindertown gives you the opportunity to have a group of educators vet those apps so that you know what is really good about an app. If you're looking for an app to reinforce mathematics, We have examined apps and we've been able to tell you what kind of apps would help you reinforce those mathematics. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to increase a child's language skills, we have done that as well. So Kindertown is a wonderful place to go in order to have an apples to apples comparison of what apps for your children are truly educational apps.
1: So do do you review any of those?
2: No, I have never been asked to, to tell you the truth, but I'm a little bit, my kids are a little bit beyond the age of Kindertown. They Mm -hmm. are, um, uh, a little bit older, you know, Kindertown, we say that Kindertown provides apps up to the age of eight. Now, Owen will probably just absolutely have a conniption when I tell you that he has lots of apps from Kindertown that he finds a great deal of fun, (laughs) but, um, um. The goal is to help parents discern educational apps for their young children. So, Kindertown is a perfect fit for my five year old grandson, Isaac.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah right um now you mentioned a conference that you were going to be going to where um, steve was going to be presenting uh for the building faith families um program that he has do you go to very many of those are you able to get out and you know meet the public and talk to parents
2: you know that's the best part of this um position because that's what i love doing more than anything else i love to be in the position of encouraging parents and advocating on their behalf and um telling them they can continue to persevere and um, make a difference in their children's lives. I got this past year, I had the opportunity to attend 10 conferences. Oh. Um, this coming year, I, I anticipate that I will be attending more. This one that's coming up in two weeks, I am so um, in awe of the Florence the Florida Parent Teachers Association who saw a need to create a conference just for parents of struggling learners.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: They did this as an inaugural event last year, and it was so well received that it's a larger event this year, and I think it is just phenomenal. I'm so excited to be privileged enough to be able to go attend
1: well good I'm glad I'm glad you're able to do that and because I know that that's what you did before and you were you were out and you did advocate for um, the parents a lot so day to day what is your position what 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 is your position there at demi learning
2: well my title is <laughs> consultative sales representative mm-hmm. and my goal is to interact with our families either families that have not yet become demi learning families or families that are Demi learning families and make sure that they know all the things that makes Demi different and wonderful and um, to help them be successful in their academics to fulfill that theme of
1: building lifelong learners. So are you talking to people oh you've just said that you're talking to people who might not know anything about it so are you doing cold sales calls?
2: Well I don't know not really cold sales calls because really that it's uh, a homeschooling market is by virtue of its um, premise a a niche market it's not as though I could just pick up the phone and call someone cold and say so have you ever thought about homeschooling (laughs) oh okay um but I am engaging people who might not have uh, a knowledge of Demi Mm -hmm. or of math you see or particularly of spelling you see and um explaining to them the benefits of the program and what it's been like to be a user of the program. Do you do you do uh, webinars? Not yet. I'm hoping to. Okay. I'm hoping to be asked to do that okay. again. I miss that tremendously. Yeah.
1: Because you would be able, I would imagine that webinars would, would work really, really well for, because trying to explain the program as you've done magnificently to me just now, it's only you, you're only able to do it just with your with your words, and it would have been very helpful had you been able to show me and demonstrate. We've come to the end. Is there anything else that you would like to add about Demi and their their fabulous programs that they have?
2: I think I think that I would want your listeners to take away the idea that um, working with a student mathematically. Is the most important thing that you can do, and I only my only regret with my own children is that maybe they don't have the level of confidence mathematically that I would like them to have. They are all competent mathematicians. I don't want to um, portray them as less than that. Mm-hmm. But I think they would have had more opportunities for more wide open doors had they had the opportunity to learn mathematics this way.
1: Right. And you would have, you said, yourself. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. For sure. Well, wonderful. I'd be a geologist today. You'd be a geologist today. So (laughs) do you
1: think, so are there other companies doing math like this or is this the only one? Not, I'm not asking you to tout other companies, I'm just saying are they completely unique in their market?
2: Well, there are other companies that do say that they offer multisensory mathematics, but um, when you look at the entirety of the package, that mastery component mm-hmm. along with um, a multisensory component, I think Matthew C is a little bit unique in that capacity mm-hmm. to be able to deliver both those and deliver them well.
1: Well, Gretchen, thank you so much talking to talk... Ugh. Thank you so much. Uh, for tour four talking to me um, about your, your new job and the new curriculum that you're um, working for, I've been talking to my friend Gretchen Rowe. She's been on my show many, many times over the years, most recently just a few weeks ago, to talk about her experience transitioning from a homeschooling mum to a public school mum. So if you go to the Sociable Homeschooler and type in her name, Gretchen Rowe, you'll have plenty of conversations to choose from and to listen to. Once again, Gretchen, thank you for joining me today and telling me about the new company you're working for, Demi Learning. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. You have a safe weekend and you stay warm.
2: Thank you. And you too. Take care.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
1: I've been talking to my good friend, Gretchen Rowe, about her job with Demi Learning, better known to us as Matthew C. Gretchen and her family moved to Western North Carolina in June to a three-acre farmstead where, in the new year, they're planning to raise hens, organic pork, and meat rabbits. They're currently clearing the land and enjoying several bonfires in their rural heaven on earth. You can find Demi Learning at www.demilearning.com and I will have it linked at The Sociable Homeschooler and on my show page at Toginet Radio. If you want to listen to more of Gretchen's conversations with me, type in her name on my site and you'll find about a dozen fabulous interviews. These These days with my yoga, my walking and my writing life is pretty mellow unless children call to shatter the piece with their problems. But it isn't always like that. In my beginning days of homeschooling, I had a very different mindset and sometimes it comes back to haunt me. While I belonged to corporate America, I followed the lead of so many of my colleagues whom I looked up to. I agreed with them that there were too many hours between school ending and putting dinner on the table to let our children sit and be. We had to keep them busy, happy and mentally stimulated while we were slaving to make ends meet at the office. My Perry Poppins daughter sees this at her early learning centre where the powers that be in the administration centre send curricula to be completed on a daily basis. Parents expect homework to be completed and the bottom line needs to be justified. How does one quantify relaxing and coming down from a day at school? How does one measure the worth of sitting quietly and gazing out to space while the classrooms fade into the distance? How does one log free play outside in the fresh air and give it an uh, educational label. My daughter wants her schoolers, those picked up in the bus from elementary school at the end of the day, to be able to relax when she gets them, not be thrust into a round of more organized activities and schoolwork, math drills to be memorized, spelling words to learn, rules to obey. She's come up with a really good way of presenting the required curricula too. For the most part, She does it orally in a group or incorporates it in their playtime. Sounds like an innovative homeschooler to me. The children have had more than enough mental stimulation in their classrooms. Quite honestly, being around a mass of children for hours on end is stimulating enough for me. As an aside, some of the children are logged into the centre at 6.30 in the morning and they don't go home until 6.30 at night. And where can they find the time not to? to be around their peers. If this is socialization, then give me isolation every time. But that's not how I used to feel. I was caught up in being a financially contributing member of society. My office required me to produce tangible results in the forms of burgeoning ticket sales and low staff turnover to justify my existence. I utterly overlooked the fact that I was also caught up in the rat race of constant activity and was fast becoming a woman who regarded her children as priceless commodities for the hundreds of organizations selling their wares to keep them busy 24 seven. I zoned out on the value of hours spent sitting and thinking under or in a tree. I'd forgotten the pleasure of afforded by the reading of a book, the tranquility of walking, the peace of doing nothing, the mind altering effects of yoga, the pleasure of being alone. I extended my results driven world to my children. If he wasn't competing and winning something, then the activity he was engaged in was a waste of time, not to mention hard-earned money. You see, money rears its ugly head in ever-increasing circles. If I'm paying for it, I want value, and I want to be able to measure that value. If every minute at a learning centre can't be accounted for, then content questions are being asked by the parents, as well as by the teachers and the administrators. As a corporate employee, my rock-solid foundation depended on at least maintaining a 50-hour week away from my family. I was expected to work more during busy sale times, sometimes as much as 60 to 70 hours a week. You should see my children now when they try to tell me all the hours they're working. I quiet them with a, Yes, I used to work long hours at Ticketmaster, and your father would be away for months at a time on the road all hours god gave him on duty all that time 24/7 they looked at me and know they are aghast, and i know they are aghast because they only knew me after i'd given up my job and my blue-eyed cowboy had begun to work from home i transitioned into homeschooling with a trunk load of baggage and a thoroughly consumer mentality of what my children should be doing in their spare time These pre-enlightened mindsets were hard to get rid of, even after four years of diligent homeschooling and watching my children grow and blossom under my round-the-clock supervision. I found myself hanging on to my old life with its narrow ideas like a persistent barnacle. I had the daytime academics under some sort of control. We meandered grandly through Old Testament history, Euclid mathematics, and Caesar's Latin, with qualifying naps equally spaced to rest our brains. I was slowly unwinding. It was the hours of late afternoon and early evening that needed a closer look. I'd arrived at the radical tweaking stage. I developed a deep sympathy for the Israelites' enslavement in Egypt— where was my Moses to free me from the popular belief that if I had not enrolled my children in some sort of sport or activity, by the time they were the silly age of three, I'd bear the mark of a bad parent and live to regret it for the rest of my life. I still hadn't quite got it. My children had, though. They naturally gravitated towards the doing of nothing, or at least the doing of something they utterly love, for the fun of it. A controlling part of me refused to fully grasp who was in charge, me and my Texan, or society, and its peer pressure. I lingered through days that were diametrically opposed. As David of the Psalms so aptly noted, I was planted by streams of water and bearing fruit in due season during the hours of the day when I recognised my authority as a parent, only to be blown away like chafe in the early evening when I turned over control to others in my quest for enrichment." These others wanted to eat up all the family time we'd naturally fall into in the evening hours. The making of dinner, the lingering over conversations, the evening devotions, the nightly readings of books, and the stargazing and enjoyment of rain or sunshine, fresh air or a still night. If we were allowed to follow that path. More about that another time. For now, I need to tell you, I'm going to tell you about. Um, we were we were talking about driving past our house and the front of it looking completely different because they'd put stone on the front. And when we stopped outside and looked in the driveway, I've been trying to take a picture, but we always go roundabout. Noon when the sun is high in the sky, and there's kind of like a shadow thrown up on the house, so you can't get it very clearly, but anyway, we stopped, and I remembered all the years twenty nine years that I spent um taking the rubbish out to put it in the bin at the side of the house i'd look up at the stars and enjoy a full moon. And loved the crescent moons, when there was a crescent moon. And after many years, I began to wonder how much longer I'd be making the same trip out to the bins. Now, I don't do that anymore. The time has come to an end. But happy news here in the apartments. We have what's called valet rubbish collection. Only they call it trash collection. From Sunday to Thursday between 6 and 8, we're told to put out our rubbish in the bag, in the bin provided. And by put out, I mean literally just outside the front door. And hey presto, by 8.30, it's gone. And it's marvellous. They don't collect on a Friday or Saturday. So if we have a lot, we have to go to the dumpster. When I lived in Spain, rubbish was collected every day. It says a lot for the Western world that we have enough rub- rubbish, rubbish <laughs> to warrant it being collected daily. And with that, it looks as though I have come to the end of my show today. It's Christmas week the last Sunday of Advent and our official outing of the lights. But we're not having a tree this year. We're having a short one. We're going to put a little bit of gold paint on the tips and just hang our little chocolates on the tree since that was the tradition the tree tradition that the children loved the most i thought well maybe this year i won't pull out all of the decorations and i won't pull out the big tree because there's not enough room and be quite honest i'm tired of moving things and packing things up and unpacking things but i'll just hang um, chocolates all over the tree and i'm sure the children will love that even though they are all young adults now they'll still love it We do have a creche and we have plenty of eating ideas and my well-heeled stranger may be joining us as none of her family will be in town this year, so that will be fun. Perhaps a good film at the movies, and we'll go to the Arboretum. They've got 12 Days of Christmas going on in the grounds. And I have a great show in store for you next week, so make sure you tune in on my Boxing Day. Have a family-filled Christmas, remembering to put Christ at the centre, and tune in same time, same place next week here on Tokenet Radio. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Gretchen Rowe, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Christine, Joel, Laura, and many others who are part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers six verses twenty-four to twenty-six. Doop 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 bloop bloop. Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian Mcnenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com.